Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. It's great to have you with us. We want to welcome you to Portico. We want to welcome you, especially if you're watching online today. Welcome to our service. And uh, we're in a series together called Tales of the Kingdom. And we've been looking at some stories that Jesus told that teach us out some principles that we need to learn as part of uh, his followers and those who, who follow after Jesus. And so I want you to take out your Bibles right now. We're going to look at Matthew 25. And you can open your Bibles there. And uh, if you are following along in your sermon notes, you can take those out as well. There's a paper version in your bulletin. If you are uh, watching online, you can check out our Portico app. The notes are there uh, online. They're also in the little uh, chat window next to the screen. You can click along the bottom on the sermon notes. I want to just get you engaged today. And so uh, let's get ready to, to look at this together. And now, if you are, uh, if you currently have your Pokemon Go app open, please close that, okay? We're, uh, yeah. How many of you, this, this Pokemon thing is crazy. Like, it's absolutely nuts. It's amazing. I didn't know that Mr. Bean was playing. That was a real revelation. But uh, it's amazing what some people will do with their spare time and with their talents and with their energy. Now, if you've observed this like I have, uh, there are just some crazy things going on. I don't really understand it all. I think there's something about catching the little, the little monsters and it's somehow GPS-based and you walk around and try and find them. I don't know. There's, there's pokey stops, apparently, where you get pokey balls and pokey eggs to help you catch the Pokemon. You can even spend your money if you want. You can buy lures. Uh, this, I'm a fisherman, so I do spend money on lures, but... Uh, you know, I at least get a fish and get to eat what I keep. But here's, this is wild. And uh, now, if, if you're playing, I, I don't want to cause a stampede, but I need to let you in on something. Apparently, uh, at the corner, our sign, the portico sign at the corner of Barbertown and Mississauga Road is a pokey stop. Don't all run out right now. And also, apparently, right in our parking lot, there's one by the bioswale sign. Now, if you don't know what a bioswale is... Go out and read the sign. Um, but, but Pastor Dan and Rachel, Dan was telling me they were out for this romantic walk around Lake Aquitaine last, last Sunday night, and they stopped counting at 200 people who were there in the park playing this game. Pastor Rick has a pokey stop apparently right outside his house. I don't know how he arranged that, but, but you know, there's, apparently there's traffic jams on Osprey and cars parked with four ways going and hundreds of people at a time. I was downtown with some friends on Friday evening for dinner and we were down by the, the ferry terminal down there by the Westin and I'm not kidding you, like a couple of hundred people at a time were running out into traffic, bumping into people. It was, it was absolute insanity. The things that we do with our time, with our talents... In our abilities. I hope that all of you can think of better things to do, honestly. Uh, if you're playing the game, no judgment here. But, you know, um, 
hey, it's, it's uh, to each his own. We've all got the ability to decide what we do with our time, with our talent, our energy, how we steward our money. Some of us, you know, we watch too much TV. We binge on Netflix, and so we can't really judge, can we? Or, or uh, you know, we, we are addicted to video gaming, and some are playing this Pokemon Go thing. Some spend too much of their money on material things like, I don't know, boats and motorcycles or whatever. Uh, others, you know, are buying lures because they got to catch them all. Really, why are we even talking about this? I mean, who cares if people are wasting time or money or whatever? Isn't it, isn't it theirs to waste? I suppose, maybe. But, but why is this an important thing? Because I believe it is a very important subject. It's important to talk about because it's such a common condition in our world today. Precious commodities are being wasted all around the world. Our clean water, our natural resources, our financial resources, and most sadly of all, our human resources are being wasted all around the world. Look around. Read the headlines on your tablet or your phone. Turn on the TV. Listen to the news. We see it all around us, examples of poor stewardship. Well, Jesus told the tale of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to get you to turn there. What I want you to note as you open your Bibles, I'm actually going to read this from my Bible this morning because I'm using a, uh, the, the older version of the NIV. If you're, if you're on a tablet or uh, you know, reading online, you're going to be reading the NIV 11. The only reason I'm doing this today is because uh, this one uses the terminology of, of the talents. And in the newer version, it talks about bags of gold, which is not incorrect, but I want to use the word talents because it speaks to, to you and I as well about our talents and our abilities. So uh, listen as I read and note something. If you're looking at your Bible, scroll up or, or look earlier uh, you know, in the chapter. At the beginning of chapter 25, it says, at, the time, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. And then Jesus tells the story about the ten, the ten bridesmaids. And then it says, at the beginning of our text, again, it will be like. And what I want you to note is that we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven will be like, again, a man going on a journey, verse 14, who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability." Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Well, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with these five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And again, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have, and I want to put in here, you should have at least, you know, put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. 
Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents, for everyone who has will be given more, and he, who, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Throw that worthless service outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, it says, it will be like, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey. In the parallel passage, the, the parable in, in Luke, a very similar parable, it talks about a, a nobleman in Luke chapter 19 who is going to be appointed king. He has to go away for a long time to be appointed king. And then uh, similarly, he gave you know, his servants a sum of money, different currency, but the same idea. And he asked them to put it to work or to engage in trade until he returned. The actual more proper translation would, would not be until I return, but actually because I am returning. That's kind of what, what the Hebrew language is, is trying to say there. Because I'm coming back. So needless to say, the expectation was, this is my money. This is what the master is giving. It's my money. I want you to manage it. I want you to steward it, to put it to work, because one day I'm coming back and we'll, we're going to have a chat about this. And so in order for us to take and to make an application to our own lives from this tale of the kingdom that Jesus tells, we need to understand what he's trying to get at with his story. In these previous stories in Matthew, he's been talking about the last days or the end times. He's been talking about the signs of the end of the age. He's been talking about, you know, preparedness in the parable of the bridesmaids. Be ready when the bridegroom comes. And so there's all of this language around the fact that that. Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples. He talks about this long journey. He's trying to prepare them for the fact that he's going to, he's going to go away, perhaps for a very long time. But one day he's coming back. And because of that, in light of that, we need to, to think about those things. And he explains that, that when he returns, that it will be really good for those who are being faithful servants when he returns, but not so good for those who are unfaithful. And then, you know, there's, there's all of this, this language around the, the last days or Jesus' return. And so these tales of the kingdom, these tales of the kingdom in this part of Matthew are about the return of Jesus, the coming of the kingdom of heaven. And through these tales, he's preparing his disciples for this very fact. Uh, Kenneth Bailey tells us something about the kingdom of heaven. He says there's three paradoxes in the New Testament, Testament regarding the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He said the first is that the kingdom has come in Jesus Christ, but that it is also still in the future. That is, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is is already, it's come in Christ, but it's also not yet. There's going to be more. And so uh, that's one paradox. The second one is that, that it is near. The kingdom of heaven is near, but it's also still afar off. And then the last one is that no one can know the timing of the coming of the kingdom of God And yet, you know, here are its signs. And so Jesus tells them some signs to watch for, some things to watch for. Have you been been watching the signs lately? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I don't have time to preach that message. But, But knowing these paradoxes, we understand some things. First, there's this definite sense in which the kingdom of heaven has already come through Jesus Christ and through now him at work in his church. However, Jesus has gone back to the Father, and so there's this element that, that the fullness of the kingdom uh, will, not, will not be for a while yet. It won't be realized until Jesus returns, and that makes the kingdom both, both near but also far off. It makes it already but not yet. 
And then second, we don't know when the, when the kingdom will, will come in fullness, but there are some signs that we need to watch for. And it also means that we should be ready, we should be busy about the business of God's kingdom until Jesus returns. And so this tale of the kingdom that we look at today raises some questions that I think we need to ask ourselves in order that we be prepared and that we be ready when the master does come back. So let's jump right in. There's three questions I want to look at. The first one is this. What do you have that you are a steward of? What do you have that you are a steward of? Verse 14 in Matthew 25, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. In this illustration, this illustrative kingdom tale, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to, the, to a man going on a long journey who brought his servants into his office, and he put them in charge of his, of his accounts. Each of them were put in charge of different amounts. And notice what it says. They were all given different amounts, but it wasn't arbitrary. He didn't just sort of randomly say, well, you get five and you get two and you get one. It says that according to their ability, they were given these amounts. And so he puts them in charge. But the expectation for all of them was the same. He was entrusting his wealth to them. No, it doesn't say that he gave it to them. It wasn't theirs. And so there's this implication that they were to carry on business in his name and on his behalf because he would eventually return and want to know how everything had gone. And so he gave it out, you know, five, two, one. And that's, that's what they were to steward. And if you were here last week, you'll remember Pastor Doug uh, talked about talents and, and how much a talent is. Now, I don't have time to go into all the math. He did that really well last week. So you need to go online and you need to watch that powerful, powerful presentation about, the, about forgiveness. You really do. But, but let me just summarize it for you. He sort of got down to the bottom for us and said that, that a talent is equivalent to about 20 years wages for the average person. So, so these were large sums of money that these servants were entrusted with. He was entrusting them with, with all of his corporate interests. And so they were given these sums of money and they were, they were to steward that. So we know, we know what it was that they had to be stewards of, okay? They were given, they were given the master's property. And so this story, remember, it illustrates to the disciples that Jesus would go away for a long time and one day return. And so the implication for them was clear, and I believe the implication for us is clear as well. You and I have been entrusted with the resources of our master, and we are expected to manage them for him just like these servants. So what do you have? What do you have that you are a steward of? It's a good question. What is it that we possess as followers of Jesus that that we are stewards of until he returns? In a general sense, of course, we know that that all of us have the resource of time, talent, uh, our energy. Uh, We we all are stewards of those things. These are gifts that that really everyone has, whether they follow Jesus or not. But there should be a difference, I think, in, in how we invest these gifts if we are followers of Jesus Christ. People who don't follow Jesus, they don't have the same priorities as we do. But, but for followers of Jesus, we have those things to steward in God's kingdom and for the purposes of his kingdom. And that should look much different than how the average person stewards their talent, their time, their energy. And so we want to talk for a second about, about this other thing that nobody ever wants to talk about. Let's talk about our money. Go ahead, roll your eyes, get it over with. But let's talk about our money. There's, there's also something that we've been given to steward for the purposes of God's kingdom, and, and that's our money. And before you say, well, wait a minute, that's, that's my money. 
Remember that to be a steward is not about ownership. It's about, it's about stewardship. That we are managing the master's resources. Just like in our story, that's how it looks. And so in God's economy, we are stewards. We, we believe that God owns it all and that everything we have comes from, from his hand. And that makes us stewards. That makes us managers of the money that he allows and enables us to accumulate. Deuteronomy 8.18. It's not in your notes. You might want to write that verse down. It says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Without God, we would not have the ability to make the money that we make, right? Simple principle. The great thing about it is this, that in God's economy, he doesn't require us to give everything back to him. He just says, I want you to sort of as a, as a benchmark, as a, as a guideline, I want you to give back 10% of the money that, that I give you the ability to produce. The other 90%, you can, you can use it for your personal needs, for your bills, for the things that you want. And, and oh yeah, one other thing, you know, I'd like you to be generous with that 90% as well so that whatever you don't really need out of that 90%, that you can also leverage that in my kingdom so that you can manage your resources that way. It's just, a, it's just, you know, 10% is the benchmark. Everything we do over and above that, we do out of generous hearts for the kingdom of God. And so you're all thinking, well, you had to talk about money, didn't you? Well, yeah, kind of, because it's what Jesus uses as the, as the illustration in the story. He uses money. And so we, of course, understand it's about more than just our money. It's also about those other things that we've been talking about, our abilities, our, our strengths, our our energy, all of the things that we can leverage for God's kingdom. There's actually something else, though, too. Scripture is clear that as followers of Jesus and those who believe in him, we've all been given spiritual gifts. That Those are special abilities that were given by the Holy Spirit and that we exercise when the Holy Spirit is working through us. And just like the servants in Jesus' tale were given different amounts of money, the Bible says we've all been given different spiritual gifts. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 to 6. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. And there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God who is at work. And so we have our, our talents and our time and our energy, but we also have these spiritual gifts that God gives to us as well, that, that we are to steward and, and to exercise and to use for his kingdom. If you want to see the list, it's there in 1 Corinthians 12. There's a number of them listed. Words of wisdom, faith, miracles, discernment, you can go through the list. And then there's another list in Romans chapter 12 as well that's just slightly different and talks about teaching and giving and, and mercy. So, so we all have gifts that we've been given, and time, talent, energy, resource, that God has given to us to steward. And we know now from Jesus' story that the expectation is that we would manage the master's resources until he comes back. But for what purpose? Well, obviously, for the greater good of the kingdom. But what else? And and I guess that raises the second question. What did Jesus say would be the payoff of faithful stewardship? What did he say would be, would be the, sort of the benefit for uh, these servants? In verse 19, we read that the, the master comes back and returns and settled accounts with them. The first order of business when the master returned was to settle accounts. What had they been doing with his money? That was his question. But maybe their question was, well, 
What about us? What's, what's the payoff for, for us? What do we get? What's in it for us? You know, that's natural, isn't it? When we think about payoff, we think about ourselves. We think about, uh, you know, we think about uh, return on investment. We think about reward. Uh, and we, we think of it in terms of money and power for ourselves. But we've got to remember the very critical, important truth from the story, and that is that they were entrusted with the master's wealth and not given the money for themselves. Stewards did not keep what they earned. Uh, you know, they were, they were cared for. Each of them, in turn, it says, went and reported what they had done with the master's money. The one who had been given five had put it to work and gained five more. And so he came and told the master. Similarly, the one who had been given two talents put it to work and gained two more. But the one who had only been given one talent reported that he had been afraid of the master, so he had dug a hole and hidden the talent in the ground and now had brought it back to him. And so just, again, something to catch as we're, as we're going by here is this. When the master came to settle accounts, I find it interesting that it wasn't about production. He didn't ask for spreadsheets. He didn't want to know the percentages they had made. He didn't want to know any of that stuff. It was about, it was about faithfulness. It was about faithfulness. It, was, it wasn't about competing amounts of money that were returned. The payoff for each faithful servant was exactly the same. The critical factor was their faithfulness, not their production or their results. And that kind of messes with us a little bit, doesn't it? Because we like to think in terms of, you know, one plus one equals two, that there is, there is a, a logical sort of, sort of thing that happens with production. It should be about amounts. It should be about, about competition, about fairness. And we can get lost in comparison sometimes when we think about, about all of this, uh, you know, financial resource and time and talent and energy and spiritual gifts. He has more talent than me. Well, he can give more because, because he has more money than I do, or, or she can sing better. You know, I can't sing like Bethany, or I can't play the, the, uh, the bass like Jesse, or the drums like Chris. I don't have the same talents as somebody else. I can't preach like Pastor Doug, or do Excel spreadsheets like Pastor Amitab. I can't do those things, and so, you know, I'm at a disadvantage somehow. But it's not about that. It's about faithfulness. Remember it said they were each given an amount according to their ability. And so we have to be faithful with what God has given us. It's about faithfulness. What can you do? And are you doing it? What can you do and are you doing it? The lesson Jesus is trying to teach here is about being faithful until he returns. And any kind of reward or payoff, I believe, is just a side benefit. And here's the benefit. This is the payoff. In Jesus' story, for the two servants who had been faithful, here's what we read. Well done, he said to them. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So real quickly, just write down three things that are, that are the payoff of faithful stewardship. The first is commendation. Commendation. He says to them, well done. Well done. Way to go. Great job. You, you've been faithful. I, thank you. It's a commendation. All of us like approval, don't we? Come on. You like approval. Now, some of us need approval. And for those of you who need approval, well, we'll call your therapist later. But, but it's another story, right? But most of us like approval. We, we like to hear, well done. We like to hear, great job, or you really did well today makes us feel appreciated. It makes us feel worthwhile. And here's just a little side note. 
If you lead people, know this about them. They need to hear you say good job every once in a while. They need to hear your approval. We like it. It's like we matter when we hear that. It's a good feeling. It's what these faithful servants received. They received a commendation, a a, a green light, all is well. Just in case they were wondering what the master thought of them, this well done would have allayed their fears. If we're honest, we all want approval. So commendation was the first thing. The second thing was advancement. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Now, notice there's no evidence of, of bonus here or monetary payoff or any of that kind of thing. Maybe, maybe that was part of it. But, but faithfulness in God's kingdom earns them more and greater responsibility. It's a further commendation that communicates you've done so well with these few things. I trust you to steward and care for many more things in, in my kingdom. In the Luke account, the servants were put in charge of cities as a result of their faithfulness. The only thing better than a pat on the back for a job well done is the feeling of accomplishment, knowing that your work was such that now you have been promoted and trusted with even more responsibility. So they they receive the master's approval. They receive advancement. And lastly, the third thing, they, they are invited into partnership. They are invited into partnership with the master. Come and join in your master's happiness. Essentially, they're made partners in the enterprise. Jesus says, my success, my happiness is your success and your happiness as a result of your faithfulness. I read about this in uh, Corinthians when Paul talks uh, about that no, the fact that no matter who plants the seed or who, who waters the seed, it really doesn't matter. We all have one purpose. And we are, he says this, we are co-workers or co-laborers with God. Isn't it amazing? that we're partners with God in his enterprise. That's what that verse is saying, that we are, we are in partnership with the almighty God. And so, you know, it's only God who makes the seed to grow. And this is one of the reasons we call all of you who volunteer here in our church, we call you ministry partners because we understand that, that no matter whether you greet somebody at the door or you hand out a Bible or you help to usher in this room or, or you stand on this stage and sing or play an instrument, if you teach a class, it doesn't matter. We're all partners together and we're serving together to realize the mission and help people find their way back to God. You are partners with us in ministry. And so we understand this idea of partnership And so in God's kingdom and his economy, it doesn't matter what gifts you have. It doesn't matter what service you offer or even how much you give. The reward or the payoff is the same. We serve at the will of our master Jesus so that when he returns, we can hear him say, well done, well done, and we can be partners together in his kingdom. And I would think that heaven, uh, you know, would be a really big part of that, right? There's a great reward that's coming. And so we all have some things that we're stewards of, And we know what Jesus said the payoff of faithful stewardship will be. It will be commendation, advancement, and partnership. So then, what's left to ask? Well, there is one last thing I think that we need to ask ourselves, and that is this. The practical question of what steps do you need to take to live as a faithful steward? What steps do you need to take to live as a faithful steward? What do I do in order to faithfully steward the talents and the gifts and the abilities that the master has given to me? Verse 16 says this, the man who had received the five talents went at once, and what did he do? He put his money to work and gained five more. 
In the same way, we read that the, the, the man who had received two talents did, did likewise. Two of the servants in the story, they knew exactly what to do. They put the money to work. They invested, they invested the talents that the master had entrusted them with. So one step that we need to take in order to live as faithful stewards is to invest the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the, the resources, the money that God has blessed us with into his kingdom. We need to invest it. That tithe principle I mentioned, you know, that benchmark 10%, that can apply to our money. It can also apply to our, our, our time and our energy and our talent. All of the things that we leverage in this life to, to sort of get by, the Bible says we need to, to leverage those for God's kingdom as well. We want to be faithful in stewarding those things in the kingdom of God. And so we, we understand this. First Peter verse 4 and 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Stewards of God's grace. I don't know about you, but that's, that's amazing to me. God's grace is such an incredible thing. And yet, Peter writes here and he says, we can actually administer God's grace as we serve others. God's grace can, can flow through us to other people. And so we've been called to do that. And you might be saying, yeah, but I I really don't know what my gifts are. How can I know? Well, I'm I'm glad you asked that. You can start by by doing two very simple things. First, you ask yourself, what is something that I really enjoy doing and something that that just kind of lights me up inside and and gets me excited? What is something that, that really, you know, gets me going? Really think about what that might be. Ask yourself, What is that? And once you have that thing in your mind, then you need to understand that very often your ability to do that very thing that excites you and that lights you up and and gets you motivated, that that is very likely wrapped up in a gift that God has given to you, that your, your actual spiritual gifting can be connected with that. So ask yourself, and then secondly, ask either your spouse or a close friend. If you're married, your spouse is the one to ask. But ask either your, your spouse or a close friend what they think your gifts are. Because they likely have a much better idea than even you do of what it is that, that lights you up and that God uses in your life to touch the lives of other people. Because they're looking from a different perspective. They see it sometimes when we don't see it. That's why with apprenticeship, we, we tell you to talk to people about what you see in them. Because sometimes they don't even recognize their own gifts. And so, two really simple things. Ask yourself and ask either your spouse or a close friend. And then there's a really practical step that you can take as well in order to determine what your, what your gifts are and how to live as a faithful steward. And that is something that we call the SHAPE course, S-H-A-P-E. And those things stand for spiritual gifts, heart, what, what's your passion, right? Heart, abilities, personality, and experience. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. And we offer this as a course every once in a while. We'll be offering one again in November, but if you don't want to wait that long, there's a link in your notes. Uh, You can look at it there in your sermon notes, a link to a a church website. It's not our church, okay? It's a church in Solana Beach, California. And in case you think that I've already interviewed there, that's not happening. This is just one we found that will work for you. California is a wonderful place, though, just saying. But go there, go to the link. You can set up a profile. You can, uh, you know, give them a username and set up a password. And then you can go in and do 
the five different assessments. Find out by answering some simple questions what your spiritual gifts are, what your passion is, what your heart is, what are your special abilities, what's your personality. Personality really impacts a lot of of how we are used in in life and, and especially, you know, in God's kingdom. Then what are the experiences you've had, and how does that impact? How can you leverage those to help others going through similar experiences? There's just a really practical way that you can understand about your gifts and your abilities and so on. So I want to challenge you to go out and do that. And, and then, uh, you know, if you want to do it together as a group, we have material that you can use, uh, DVD-based material you can use in your, your growth group, and we want to encourage you to take, take advantage of that as well. Just talk to Pastor Josh, and he'll make sure that you get that. And then in November, when we offer the course, make sure you go and and take it together with some other folks because that's really a helpful way to do it as well. So to bring these thoughts to a close, let me me just tell you a little bit about something. In the Middle East, when a a master, you know, went away like this and left his servants in charge, actually the the Luke text I told you talks about a nobleman who was going to be appointed king. And, And sometimes what happened, Jesus was actually leveraging a, a, a contemporary story. Herod, Herod had gone in 40 BC as a nobleman to be appointed uh, king over Judea. And so there's a, there's a story, there's background in this, and not everybody liked Herod, and not everybody wanted him to be king, and he was gone for a long time. And when, when servants are asked to, to uh, do what these servants in Jesus' story were asked to do, they were essentially to, to transact business in the name of of their master. Well, sometimes that wasn't always popular. Sometimes it brought about animosity. Sometimes there was, there was hard feelings, and yet they were, they were asked to be faithful to transact business in the name of their master and to represent the master well. And so when the master returned to settle accounts, he was in actuality asking, how much business has been transacted in my name? They were to go and do things like, you know, call their broker and say, you know, uh, you know if, the, if their master's name was Abraham, you know, the Abraham Corporation would like to buy so many shares of such and such a stock, or, or they would go out and start a new, you know, Abraham's shawarma shop, or Abraham's camel rentals, or whatever the case may be. And when, when the master returned, he would want to know what's been happening with my corporate assets, what's been, what's been happening with my business. How much business has been transacted in my name? Have you represented me well? Even in an environment where representing me may cause you some pain and discomfort or may bring disdain and reprisal, what business have you transacted in my name? See, we live in a world where naming the name of Jesus and standing up for what is right and what is true and what is just, it's not necessarily popular. People, by and large, don't believe in Jesus, or, or they think that his teaching is antiquated and out of date. Some would say that God is an angry God, a hard God, a God who allows suffering, not a God of love. But they would be wrong. That's just their, you know, their improper impression of who God is. It's our job to help change that by transacting business in the name of our master, by showing the love of Jesus to a world that needs to know him, by representing him well. Jesus said in Luke 9, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of, of him when he comes in his glory. The warning in our, in our story, in our text, to those who are not using their time, talents, abilities, energy, and financial resources wisely and not investing in the work of the master, here's what he says to that one unfaithful servant. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew, he says, 
Now, the, the proper translation there is not new. It's, it's perceived. So you thought, you know, somehow in your mind, your impression of me as a master was that I was a hard person, that I, you know, that I harvest where I haven't sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, at least then you should have deposited my money in the bank and brought it to me with interest. So let's not, you know, let's not be like the, the lazy servant. Let's not be among those who choose to squander their investment. Don't waste all your time playing Pokemon Go. Live for Jesus. Leverage your gifts. Leverage your talents, your abilities, your, your finances for the kingdom of God. There is an eternal investment to be made. And Jesus is coming back. One day he wants to have a chat with you about how you've been leveraging those gifts and abilities. And so let's live like the faithful steward today. Amen? Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. God, for the challenge that comes from this story, this tale of the kingdom. And God, I pray today that, uh, Lord, you will work in each and every one of our hearts, that God, uh, no matter uh, what our talents and our gifts and our abilities are, that, Lord, you will help us to leverage those for your kingdom, to, to transact business for the kingdom of God until, Jesus, you return again. Lord, we want to be faithful stewards. We want to be like those who who put their talents to work for the kingdom. God, help us not to have an improper view of who you you are. Lord, to be afraid of you. To uh, God, to just do the bare minimum. To just try and squeak into heaven and get by. Because, Lord, that's not what your kingdom's about. And so I pray today that, God, as we think about what our spiritual gifts are and what the things are that you have blessed us with in our lives and how we can leverage those for your kingdom. That God, you will help us not just to make a promise today, but Lord, to, to actually walk out the practical steps and God exercise the gifts that you have blessed us with today. I pray for people in this room who may never have said yes to Jesus, who aren't, God, a part of your kingdom. But God, they're listening today and, and Lord, maybe you're speaking to their heart. I pray that you'll help them, God, to just pray a simple prayer right now to understand that And in the greater scheme of things, you sent your son Jesus to bring your kingdom here on this earth and that he lived and he died, sacrificed his life, and he rose again so that we could have forgiveness of sins and salvation forever. Father, for those who don't know Jesus today, help them to just in a quiet moment right now in this service to say yes. Yes, Jesus, I need you in my life. And then, Lord, I pray you'll help them to have the courage to go and talk to Pastor Melanie or one of her ministry partners that's there at the yes station. And God, just begin a brand new journey. And Lord, for the rest of us today, as we, uh, God, stand in a moment to seal this in, in some worship, again, I pray, help us to make the commitment. Help us, God, to make the promise. I want to live like a faithful steward. But Lord, even beyond that, as we go from this place in a little while, help us to walk out the practical steps of understanding how to leverage the gifts that you have blessed us with, Lord, for your honor and for your glory and for your kingdom. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. 
Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC. 